E te pāpā kehi, tēnei mātou e murumuru aroha nei, te aunga o te moe ki a koe. Kei ngā kanohi ora o te motu, rarau mai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei e mihi atu nei ki a koutou kato. Welcome to the hui, Māori current affairs for all New Zealanders. E taroa ke nei. She thought she'd found love online until she realised she was dating a dangerous man. He just was a serial control, manipulative monster. He cut her off from you, from her best friend. Yeah, from everyone. She had no one. Monique Nelson shares her harrowing story of leaving a violent relationship. You weren't supposed to survive though, were you? No, he, he was, he was gonna kill me. One in three women are likely to experience physical sexual violence in a relationship over their lifetime, which is just appalling. And her quest to have her abuser held accountable. I can't let him continue going from woman to woman and destroying them. mai. <laughs> More and more people are turning to the internet to find romance, and for every love story, there's plenty of bad ones. Tonight, we meet a courageous woman whose experience of finding love online turned into nine months of horrific physical and mental abuse. She, she shares her story as a warning to others and to give hope to all wahine trapped in violent relationships. Kaya Rawani Pereira, Tana Kōrero, and a warning, this story may be triggering for domestic abuse survivors. I don't have anything particularly special about me. <laughs> I would come past you in the street and you'd never know. One in three women in Aotearoa will experience the secret life of living in a controlling, abusive relationship. There's thousands of me that are hiding, swept under the carpet, not talked about. With only around a quarter of cases reported to police, it takes extraordinary courage to hold those responsible to account and get out alive. She's amazing. I mean, most people would just run away at the thought of doing that, and I can understand why a lot of women don't do it. First of all, I'm really pleased she got out alive, and she does have to be acknowledged for her bravery and sharing her story, which is an incredible act of generosity and giving others hope that they too can get out. Monique Nelson met her abuser on Tinder in 2019. Just put the full charms on and made me feel like, oh wow, this guy is, is really cool. He seems like a really nice man. Monique says she found Anthony Jerry charming and the pair became inseparable very quickly. So right from the get-go, would you say he was quite full on? Yes. Definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, we went on one date and then he rang me the next day and said, I want you to be my girl. And I was like, whoa, that's... <laughs> that's full on, we've only had one date. At the time, Monique was living with her daughter, Jasmine Wanoa, and her partner, 
and just after a few weeks of dating, Anthony moved in too. When I first saw him, I thought he was really nice, caring. I could see that my mum was, like, smiling, so I thought, like, she was happy. But Anthony would soon start to cause arguments between mother and daughter, and they weren't the only ones in the firing line. He started picking at Jasmine, which I didn't like. It went quite pear-shaped, really bad. There was an argument between Jasmine and her partner and him. When we had a disagreement, his aggressiveness and just the way he, like, stood up to my partner, and that was, like, quite scary. She just wanted him out of there, and I followed him, and we went to Louise's place. Louise Heather has known Monique for 30 years and was excited at the prospect of living with her best friend and her new boyfriend, Anthony. Well, it started off great because it was like having Monique flatting with me again, and that was awesome. But there were a few things that were a bit odd. Initially, they would spend a bit of time with us when they first moved in, but then it gradually got more and more that they came home from work and went straight to the room. Antisocial. Antisocial yeah. stuff, which wasn't like Monique at all. She's very social. In hindsight, she was becoming very isolated. She didn't talk to me a lot. It was while they were living here that Monique would get her first taste of Anthony Jerry's dark side. Monique found some documents that showed her new boyfriend was facing charges related to a former partner. We actually had an argument in the car so that nobody could hear. And then we went back to Louise's place and he told me to get out of the bed and sit on the floor and stare at the wall. It was freezing, I remember. So I just had like a little singlet and shorts on and I was sitting there cold and he was just mouthing off all sorts of really yucky things that I don't even want to repeat. So I sat there for a couple of hours and then he said, you can get back up on the bed now. And then he got up in the morning and he said, you're not going to work. So of course I'm like, I'm going to work. You're not going to stop me. And he said, you're going to obey me and do what I tell you to do. And then he struck me. And that first punch was shocking. It wasn't really the pain, it was just the shock of him actually doing that. And his eyes and how angry he was, they're bulging, and I still see them today, they haunt me. So he struck me several times and then he yanked my hair and pulled me down and then he was on top of me on the bed with his hands around my neck. The morning after that first attack, Monique answered a call from Jerry and put him on speakerphone so her friend could hear. The way he was talking to her was a completely different person to what I'd seen up to that point. Just very angry, controlling, telling her what she could and couldn't do, telling her that she was pathetic and hurry up and find us a place to live and you're, you're hopeless just blew me away. 
because he'd kept all that so hidden from us, even though we were living in the same house, that that's how he'd been treating her. Yeah, that was it for me. He had to go as far as I was concerned. Jerry moved out and insisted Monique found a place of their own. He cut her off from you, from her best friend. Yeah, from everyone. She had no one. At that time, did you think, I've got to get out of this? I felt like I was too far invested. I don't know why. I think I was just completely under control. My daughter said, he's brainwashed you. It became clear that Jerry was a master manipulator who was gaslighting Monique throughout their short-lived relationship. He would make me think that I was the crazy one. He would say things like, I'll see you hanging from a tree by the end of this relationship. You're a sad, depressed, fat, ugly. No one's gonna want you. And why would they look at you? You're pathetic. Within just months of meeting her, Anthony Jerry had completely taken over Monique's life, making it impossible for her to even hold down a job. You got jobs, but you couldn't hold on to them. No. He expected me to answer his any of his calls. If I didn't, you'd get angry. How often would he call you during the day? So he'd ring me on the way to work, be on the phone to me all the way. Then he would message me, and he'd message me, and then he'd call me during my break. And then he'd message me, message me, message me. And then he'd call me during my lunch break. If he didn't call me, I had to call him back. And then if I called him back, then he would twist it around and say, I'm busy at work, what do you want? It was like, damned if you do and damned if you don't. The verbal abuse was followed up with terrifying text messages. Overhearing Monique talking to a workmate set him off into a jealous rage, and he texted her, either I'm leaving in a police car or you're leaving in a coffin. Another menacing message said, tonight will be the one to remember for all the wrong reasons. His threats were backed up with savage beatings. This two-hour attack in September 2019 was so brutal, Monique believed she may not survive and took these selfies as an insurance policy. I was fearful for my life and thought, well, if I'm going to die, at least someone's going to know why and who did it. After the break, Anthony Jerry is finally brought to justice. On charge six, do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty. And how landmark laws are helping survivors of domestic violence. We don't want anybody to be left after somebody's been killed or really badly hurt, asking themselves, could I have done something? Auraki mai anō. 
It's been two years since the government passed the groundbreaking reforms that provided paid leave for those trapped in abusive relationships. Aotearoa became just the second country in the world to introduce such measures to help people get out of abusive situations. Monique Nelson credits the legislation with enabling her to escape her abuser. Monique Nelson lived in this Auckland apartment with her partner, Anthony Jerry, for five months. It's where she was repeatedly attacked in what she describes as her own private torture chamber. Despite attempts to leave her abuser, Monique was too terrified of what he might do to her and her loved ones if she left him. He was threatening he was going to hurt my friends, my family. He knew where Jasmine lived, he knew where Louise lived. I mean, this is a very, very dangerous man that you were with. Yeah. During their nine months together, the mental and physical abuse Monique suffered at the hands of Anthony Jerry left her unrecognisable. These photographs taken by police after his final attack show the toll his abuse had taken. What do you see when you look at those photos? It makes me sad. You're broken, you're bruised. Yeah, I was really, really broken. By November 2019, Monique knew she had to end it and told Jerry she was leaving him. It sparked a brutal attack on the street outside their apartment. Monique was left unconscious on the pavement with a broken rib. Had this assault not occurred in front of eyewitnesses, it's very likely that Monique wouldn't be here to tell her story. On charge 16, do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty. In April, her testimony helped a jury find Anthony Jerry guilty of 21 charges of violence against her. And you may now stand down. He has no remorse. If he did, he would have pled guilty and he would have taken responsibility for, for things that he had done. Among the raft of charges against Jerry was six for strangulation, an offence introduced in 2018 to provide greater protection for victims of family violence. Strangulation or attempted suffocation is a very clear message from an abusive partner that they have the power to kill. And there's a sevenfold likelihood that they will kill. After introducing that charge for strangulation, the police were investigating five cases a day of um, strangulation or suffocation which really points to the importance of that law change. Former Green MP Jan Logie helped drive the government's reforms to improving the law for survivors of family and sexual violence. For too long, people have spent too much of their energy battling our system, and actually we need our system to be supporting people. Monique says the legal process was complex and exhausting, but new legislation providing domestic violence survivors with up to 10 days of paid leave have helped ease the stress she was under. If I didn't have it, I probably wouldn't have survived it. I was able to be financially in a better position to be able to get my life back together. 
Oh, it needs that taken off it. During their relationship, Jerry made it difficult for Monique to work and she lost several jobs. Logie says financial abuse is a common factor in violent relationships. We all know that our ability to pay our rent and put food on the table actually needs certainty of income. And abusive partners know that as well. And so that quite often that's a dynamic in a violent relationship where an abusive partner will try and get their partner to leave their job or make it impossible for them to stay so that they'll be more dependent on them and make it harder for them to leave. The constant yelling and depriving me of sleep and making me feel ugly and useless is relentless. During Anthony Jerry's sentencing, Monique's victim impact statement was read to the court by friend Louise. After two days on the stand during his trial, she couldn't face being in the same room as him ever again. You knew you were able to control me using your nasty ways and violence. Today, she shares her harrowing statement with us. And I was certain the only way I would ever get away from you was to give in and let you kill me. Almost two years since she began her bid for justice, Monique waited in a separate room to hear the judge's sentence. I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. We weren't allowed to film in court, but could record the audio of Judge Sharp's scathing account of Anthony Jerry's offending. Had you been able to continue to carry on as you did towards her in this relationship, there was every chance that you might not stop yourself and that she might have died at your hands. After an anxious two-hour wait, she's told he's received a prison sentence of five years and four months. He's going away. He's gone inside. But I did it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh. In the scheme of New Zealand law, it's good. Realistically, 2025, he gets out and hopefully he leaves me alone. But there's also a concern that he will come out worse than he went in and go and hurt someone else. This case hasn't only meant justice for Monique, but for the other wahine who never had their day in court, because Monique wasn't Anthony Jerry's first victim. Can you tell me a little bit about the woman that you've been in contact with as well? He's destroyed a lot of women on the way to getting to, to me. He's broken their spirits, really affected them. They're all trying to heal. So today is for all of them as well? It's for them. Reconnecting with her whanau and friends has been a great source of strength for Monique as she starts to piece her life back together. What she did is really important for other women to see and to get strength from and to try and be brave enough to do the same thing. She's so much better and she's come so far and she's like really strong now and because not many people are lucky to get out of those like situations so yeah I'm really proud of her. Mm. 
she's now in control of her life and looking forward to what the future looks like. It's hard, but the rewards that you get, you get your life back, you get your freedom. That feeling of freedom is amazing. Na Rawani Pereira Tera Pudongo. If you or someone you know is in a dangerous relationship, you can contact Shine's 24 hour helpline on 0508 National Party Tertiary Education spokesperson Penny Simmons has come to the defence of seven academics who sparked controversy after publishing a letter challenging the value of Matauranga Māori. The letter has come under fire from numerous scholars and organisations, including Auckland University and the Tertiary Education Union, and one of its authors has since resigned. Simmons describes the backlash as veiled censorship that moves into dangerous territory. I spoke with her earlier today. Why, why come out in defence of uh, lecturers and professors? Really, it was in defence of the ability to have the de debate. So um, I've been very clear that I didn't come out in uh, support or opposition of the positions that were being taken, but rather of the real need for us to be able to have debates such as this, and also the real need to not shut down people who want to debate these things. I, I just think it prevents people from expressing their views and then being able to talk together and, and uh, talk over the differing views if we really slam and shut people down. And I feel in this instance that was what was happening. Yeah, I think people would probably debate whether they were shut down. I think, you know, they were able to have free speech. There, there comes a reaction to free speech. Isn't that what we've seen? They've had their opportunity to speak and now they have a, a reaction of to their opinions. Yes, to, to an extent, but one of the interviews that you did, and, and I just want to uh, read from it if I can so I don't get it wrong, was from sociologist Melanie Mark Shadbolt, and I thought she said some really uh, interesting and informative things. It was really good to listen to her, but at one point she said the problem with institution is with institutions and it's a sign of bigger things there are bigger issues that people are allowed to have these views. So I would be very concerned if at any time there were any tertiary institutions that were allowing or disallowing academics to have views. So that's where I thought it started to turn into a people should only be allowed to have certain views in um, tertiary institutions. Even when we look at the National Party, there is a consequence to free speech. A recent example would be Todd Muller, who spoke out against Hare Tihipango, and he was slammed by the caucus and the party leader. Should he not have been? 
Well, no, I think that uh, we have a code of conduct that we expect within our caucus that uh, we wouldn't make comments like that about each other. So I think it's more in that vein that we are a team, we are a caucus, we are united and that it's inappropriate, just as I would expect the same thing if a player within the All Blacks uh, came out and said something uh, inappropriate about another player, I would fully expect a coach would come and say, that's not appropriate in a team environment. The National Party is pushing for a referendum on the name of Aotearoa. Do you support the banning of the name Aotearoa from all official documents? No, I certainly don't support that banning at all, but I do support a debate about what we want to call ourselves and why wouldn't we want to have that debate? Yes, but a referendum is not really a debate. A referendum is where you take uh, the, you know, the consensus of the majority. And as we know in Aotearoa, New Zealand, Māori are only 15% of the population. So, and then even less speak the language. So, is it is that a fair forum? Is that a fair mechanism to test the waters on the word Aotearoa? But would you expect that everyone who is non-Māori would be against um, uh, using a term Aotearoa? That's an unusual perspective to take. No, I don't know if that would be the case at all, but you talk about your friends at Ngaitahu in Southern, in, in Miruhiku, where you used to be the CE at um, Southern Institute of Technology. And, you know, when I read some of the stuff you talked about in your annual report and things, you talk about partnership with Wānanga o Aotearoa and also with uh, Te Runanga o Ngaitahu. So you understand partnership. And if you were going to have a debate over something so important as the name of a country, the name of a nation, you, you, you would understand that you'd, ha- you'd engage in partnership rather than having a referendum, wouldn't you? Well, I think you would want to hear all sides from uh, from a whole range of people on it, and and I, I I take exception that you're thinking that only people who are Māori and can speak to Rayo would be the ones that vote for it. I I think you might find uh, it might be quite a lot broader than that. So again. I don't think we should be stifling debate on these things. It's much more important that uh, a range of people hear the reasons behind it, the history of it, whether that would be the most uh, appropriate Māori word if we did accept a Māori word. So, you know, I think it's about having that opportunity to have the debate. Do you think mātauranga Māori is science? I'm not going to answer that because that will take away from the point that I was trying to make, that it's really important that people can debate that. Don't you owe it, though, to all of those people you've worked with in education for the last 23 years at the Southern Institute of Technology to to say to Māori down there in Murihiku that you either think that their science is not science or it is science? I've been saying to uh, a number of our Māori partners for over 23 years how much I value their partnership and I value their knowledge, but I am not going to give an opinion on this because straight away it will take away from the point that I am trying to put forward, that is that people should be free to be able to debate the issue and as soon as we shut it down, we run the risk of pushing people with opinions that differ to popular opinion underground, and I think that's a very negative thing for our society. Let me ask you one last question then. In the south, just north of your electorate, is Dark Skies, a project um, that's run in partnership with Ngaitahu, and they tell the stories through astronomy. Should they be telling their stories 
under the vein of silence? They should be telling their stories under the vein of whatever they feel that it fits, whether they feel it fits under science or culture or a mixture of, of uh, a whole range of things. And, and they, of course, should be telling their stories and we want to hear their stories. Penny Simmons from the National Party. Ko hikine te hui mo tēneira, no horo maira. Support from New Zealand on air.